Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We are once again Zooming amongst the three of us. I am Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Ryan Gilbert. Man, hey, you know you build up some habits? Yeah. Yeah, I just introduced Riley Gates and cut it out, folks. So anyhow, uh, the three of us are all in our homes because we're hiding from the Rona. I just asked Gills, when are you coming back to Manhattan? I don't know, man. I'm just delivering some pies and living in the OP. That was his answer right there. That was his answer. I think he's going to come back to school, though, folks. I think he is. And at some point, I will gather with these two clowns in a room and try to not get any diseases. I'm not even talking about the coronavirus. Any diseases from them. They are sketchy, and I don't know where they've been for the last three months. I have been at the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, our sponsor of this podcast, although I have stopped going in. I would like to personally thank Governor Kelly for announcing that uh, the carryout liquor, the where they'll bring it out to your car, has been expanded to mid-January or late January of 2021. And I would like to ask all the politicians... What the hell does it matter if you carry it to your car or they carry it to your car? It gets in your car and you go home. Let's just keep this permanent. I love it. I order from the fridge on their app, roll in, get it loaded up, roll home. Beautiful thing for a lazy man. This segment's brought to you by Tanners, 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 Tanners. Zach, I have vowed not to go into a restaurant quite yet. Like go in and eat. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I I need to be careful, man, but <laughs> Tanner's is open. <sighs> maybe maybe I could have Charlie, like, uh, kick everyone else out. You could wear a bubble. Ooh. Hey, Gills, you got any friends that got those big, like, bubbles you get into and roll around in them? I'm not sure how I'd get my uh, food and drink inside the bubble, though. I don't know. Hmm. I saw a great video uh, from, uh, was it Rex Chapman that puts us all over Twitter? Is that right? Uh, of a guy in Vegas, now that it's open, he was sitting at a slot machine with a face <laughs> mask on, and he had a cigarette out of the corner of his mouth sticking out the side of his face mask. And it was lit, but then he realized he can't blow out the smoke, so he had to take the face mask off. Yeah. It's incredible. He also is a rocket scientist at Area 51. 
Well, let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station. I can't get to Tanner's, so I'll sit here and talk to you instead. And with our questions this week, maybe now taking over is Ryan Gills Gilbert. From Exhausted Nihilist, given what we know now, what are your predictions for football attendance numbers? Fitz, what would your requirements be for stepping back into the press box, assuming you would even consider doing so at all? How was that, Fitz? That was beautiful. That was well done. In fact, that was <laughs> one of the finest reads we've ever had on this podcast. Um, you know, I, I don't have enough scientific information to know what they'll do with the stadium. And, and I think we need to get a couple weeks down the road here. A lot of places are opening up. A lot more testing is being done. Um, you know, people keep mentioning, well, cases are on the rise. Well, discovered cases are on the rise. We're doing a lot more testing. So you can't just say cases are on the rise. You probably need to look at the percentage of people tested versus, um, results. Even that doesn't make sense because they were only testing people with symptoms before. So uh, the numbers are all skewed, but it seems to me that hospitalizations are down, um, and if they remain so after all of these public protests where people have been in close quarters, after uh, the wonderful events of the Ozarks, which I have to compliment them, if they didn't get COVID-19, which I know one person has tested positive, uh, it was an impressive feat of stupidity. Kudos to all of you in Missouri. I think we're looking probably initially at a third of the stadium, but I think they might get it up to half. And you get into that territory, I think, It'll kind of be self-policing. I think enough people will, will kind of be timid to go back and not quite ready. We'll see. We'll see how they flush it out. Um, I'd be fine with just letting um, mostly students in, giving that whole side to space out and some alumni on the other side and people up in the suites, and let's do this thing. As for, as for me in the press box, uh, I'm not ready to do it. I mean... I told Zach, I, I went to a grocery store yesterday for the first time. Uh, I think I'm willing to risk my life because of my Traeger grill now. And so I got the Traeger, so I need to go to the, uh, I won't mention the grocery store, but there's um, a, a high and a V in the name of it. And they have a really good meat section. And uh, so I went in there, and I was in there for about, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes. It's probably longer than that because the lines were so long with my mask on and they suck. They really do. They suck. Um, but I won't be in a press box unless everyone's masked. And I'm just, I don't know if I want to ask people to be masked that long for that long period of time. So I don't, I don't know what my situation is. I don't, I'm it's, uh, it's frustrating. It's scary, but yeah. And again, I've said this all along, let's get down the road and get more information. We can't make ironclad decisions for, a month down the road right now uh, if we don't have all the information. So, you know, when if it's something you can decide at the last minute, if I can literally decide the day of the game if I want to do it or not, I'll do that. But no matter what I do, uh, uh, there's no evidence that the coronavirus is spread by not wearing pants. So I'll, I'll be I'll just be <laughs> in my boxers for most of the time. Um there we go. I mean, if I can't, if you can't be told to wear a mask, you can't tell me to wear pants. So there we go. That's my stand. I'm sticking to it. I think, I think that I'm, I'm optimistic as of having more fans, but I think that that might be a little bit of false hope seeing all of these, you know, 
college football is going to return. You know, you've got the six week calendar that the NCAA is about to approve. Um, it feels like football is about to be back. And that means, you know, in my head, football being back, that means fans, that means games. So maybe it's just a little bit of false hope there, but I do still appreciate K state hasn't made a definitive stance on how many fans they're going to let in. Um, I don't think that it will end up being full capacity, but I think, you know, like we've mentioned in the past, Iowa state saying half capacity, other schools saying half capacity or whatever the capacity is going to be. Um, I think that K state not announcing anything and remaining flexible, uh, is a good call. I agree. I mean, I would imagine season ticket renewals are slow. So a lot of this might take care of itself. Well, they extended the deadline, yeah, I think, that's exactly, all the way into June. That's so. an indication that people are being sluggish with it because they're uncertain. I think Gene needs to come out and say, um, if you opt not to attend games this year and you have been a season ticket holder, here's what you need to do to make sure you have your seats in the future. And, and, and work out a system there, Gene Taylor. And I don't know what, what that would be, if it's a small donation or just – you know, thank you. It's zero donation. We'll see you next year. I'm not sure, but uh, there's going to be some people just not certain that they want to be in a crowd and they shouldn't lose their seats or lose their standing with K-State because of it. And it actually helps if people are stepping back and saying, well, I'll be part of the 50% that's out. Also from Exhausted Nihilist, how do you feel overall about the effect COVID-19 seems to have had with a sharp reduction in head coach in job turnover. That was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, the way basketball season ended, it was like ADs around the nation were like, I, I was going to fire you, but now this is this is awkward. What do we end up with? Wake Forest? And seems like there was yeah, someone Danny else. Yeah, Danny Manning. Seems like there was someone that, else recently. But that was even late, too. Like, that wasn't a normal... No. Hiring, firing time frame. Traditionally, wasn't it late April, yeah. early May? Yeah, it was weird. Like, it wasn't the time where you get rid of a, a coach in a normal year. Usually it's, you know, mid-May, or excuse me, mid-March. You know, by end of March, early April, you have your coach for the next year. So, but that's probably the only one. Yeah, why do I have the feeling that John Curry – Wanted to do it at the end of the season, and then the end of the season was kind of weird and waited, and he was like, I'll just wait till this lockdown's done, and it didn't finish, and he just went ahead and did it. He's just It's so awkward. It fit him, but, I mean, he got a great coach, so maybe that was part of it. He knew he could get him and, and jumped on it. I don't know. I guess- it is really weird. It's been great for basketball coaches, hasn't it? They've, they've been having pretty good job security because of the COVID, and, and now – I mean, you extended another year. You think about the weirdness of what this season will become. You know, for a Kansas State losing, if you lose any time with all the new players or whatever, whatever happens here, I mean, does it have a built-in excuse for any coach that's going through some transition on their roster? Like, well, we were kind of out of whack all year, and you can't really fire me, so it's it's going to probably have another year's impact on coach turnover. From AWINT25, what are the biggest advantages to having someone like Chris Kleiman in place, especially with the year under his belt at the Power 5 level compared with Snyder 2.0 with everything that has happened in 2020? For example, 
could you imagine Snyder's reaction when finding out there would be no spring ball, adjusting recruiting strategy on the fly, fluid schedules all the way up until game day, et cetera? No, it would have driven him insane. I mean, uh, setting all that aside, just the simple fact that Kansas State has this social media structure in place now where they can communicate with recruits in ways Bill Snyder really wasn't doing. They they were much more comfortable with technology using Zoom and other things to have meetings. Um, it really could have been disastrous. And K-State's been able to perpetuate recruiting because they're comfortable with these technologies. And, and uh, you know, Coach, if Forrest Coach would have done fine with no spring football and those things, he would have, as long as it's equal footing for everyone, he would have been upset. Um, a younger Coach Snyder probably would have been more upset and then more easily adjusted. Older would have been upset and kind of probably had some struggles with it. But, yeah, I'm thankful for it. I, I, and I think I've said it on an earlier podcast. Yeah, thank goodness this change took place before this this hit because I don't know how K-State football would have operated if Bill Snyder uh, and his disdain for technology and not wanting to change his ways if he had been in charge. I agree. That's a good answer. Sorry. It's what every answer should be That's... when you're on a podcast <laughs> with the boss. There's nothing there I could add. Sorry. <laughs> I third that statement. Also from AWINT25, following up on my post from earlier, which of the Big 12 teams do you like the over and which do you like the under for regular season wins this year? Oklahoma is at 10. Well, what do you, Zach, what do you think? I. I go over. I, I really see. I'm nervous that I think these things become more volatile in this situation than they have been in the past. I mean, if, if everything was normal, I would go over. But what if? See, this is where I get nervous. What if 20 Oklahoma players test positive for COVID, and they've got yeah. you, you know? I'm sure they'll have a. Like a week where they can't do anything or something. I, my non-gambling self is coming out. I'm going to pretend there's no COVID in this world with Oklahoma, and I'll say over because I think they're the best team in the conference, and it's not close. See, what when it's at 10, I don't think they're going to lose three games. If it was like 10 and a half, yeah. I mean, that might be – that's, that's, that's probably point. my flipping point there. But at 10, you know, if they lose two, you push. You know, you don't lose any money. That's a good point. And what you said about COVID, like, that can happen to any team in the Big 12. Obviously, that would hurt Oklahoma a lot, but they're the same odds as anyone else. I mean, that's 10 is a good number by the bookie, whoever made this. I mean, a lot of these I'm very confident on over under, but I'd probably stay away from this one, honestly. I mean, that's that's tough. Yeah. Next. And then Texas is at nine. I under. think we can all agree on the under. Yeah. <laughs> under, I saw our friends at 24 7 had them ranked at, what, 15 or something? I'm like, come on, guys. Here we go. Yeah, I know. I mean, how many times can you fall for this? Uh, I, I find it frustrating. I don't know. Downhorns. Oklahoma State is at 8.5. Over. Yeah, I'd probably go over. I think they're going to be good. I think that yeah. Oklahoma State's probably going to be the second place team. I'd agree. If they can stay healthy, I like that. Yeah. But they had a lot of injury issues last year, so if they can stay healthy, they'll go over. Iowa State is at eight, and under. I think they're just under. one over the recommended amount. And aren't we? Uh, yeah, under. It'll be seven again. 
Uh, I'm beginning to wonder with these things if Iowa State fans are big gamblers. Uh, in all seriousness, I'm wondering if you put it at eight, they'll say, hell yeah, and they just flow in a bunch of money on Iowa State. I like Matt Campbell. I think Matt Campbell's a good football coach. And with all that said, he is so overvalued. He's he's above average records. I mean, what, I, he keeps having way too competitive games against inferior opponents and losing too many games over and over and over. I, I don't get it. I would take the under on this. I'll go under as well. Baylor is at 7.5. I'll go under. New coaching staff. Yeah, that's a solid uh, under for me. I feel like it's going to be safely under. You talk about bad situations in COVID-19 days. Having a new coaching staff that isn't in daily contact, person-to-person contact with your team, it's going to put you way behind. And not just on X's and O's, but culture. You don't have a chance to really build that culture. And we saw how important culture is for Kansas State. Yeah, I mean, Baylor got pretty lucky in a number of wins last year. So that number last year could have been seven or eight wins. Um, I do think they'll do a little better than people think. And the bookies probably know that, but I, I do have to agree. I would definitely go with the under for the reasons you just mentioned as well, Fitz. I'll be intrigued to see what they do on defense because that defense was so good, but they lost the heart of it at the, you know, at the point of attack. They were so good up front. That's what they did to K-State. They just overwhelmed that offensive line. Uh, that really exposed that senior-laden K-State offensive line, showed some of their weaknesses. It was non-competitive up front throughout that game, and and they won't have that necessarily snap after snap where, you know, that offense or, excuse me, defensive line that can keep them competitive in almost any game. TCU is at, at 6.5. Do they have a quarterback? Do, I mean, seriously, I – I'd probably go over. I mean, because you're asking them to go four and five in the conference. I don't know who they have in the non-conference if they go three and zero. Oh. I, I would honestly, I wouldn't touch this one because I think Gary Patterson's program is really unpredictable right now. I agree. I probably wouldn't touch it, but I'd probably go over. And it's pretty evenly matched as far as the odds go. Um, minus one fifteen on the over, minus one hundred five on the under. So it's yeah. kind of a almost a pick there. I mean, you look at TCU last year, correct me if I'm wrong, but they lost to SMU, you know, in the non-con. So yeah. that's just, you, you never know what you're going to get with them. So I'd probably stay away from that as well. What we've all been waiting for, Kansas State is at six. Over. Over. I, over. K-State's going to make a bowl game. I, they're going to win their safe. three non-conference games. And so that means the odds makers think three and six is – pretty average for a team that won what five games last year in the conference it doesn't make sense to me guys i know they lost a lot but if you really study and dig down it's not like i mean just following the logic programs are better in the second year of a new head coach period that's almost always true and you think k-state's gonna go backwards i don't i don't see it i think k-state i would put I think a more believable over-under would be seven and a half. But I'll take the over on that, baby, all day long. Texas Tech is also at six. Under. You think Matt Wells is running into issues out there? I don't know if he's running into issues. I just think it's it's Texas Tech. Yeah. 
they haven't, you know, they've been a perpetual six and six, five and seven team over the last, yeah. I don't know, 10 seasons of, of Kingsbury and whoever else. I didn't Mike Le- since the end in, since the end days of Mike Leach. I mean, Texas tech has not been good since Leach was there. So, I mean, six wins, if I was Texas tech, I'd love to get six wins. That means we're going to a bowl game, but I just, I don't know if they're going to make a bowl game. Yeah, I, I don't see, I don't see a big difference in this program from Cliff Kingsbury to Matt Wells. I just don't. I don't see it. I'm so now he needs to sell me, show me something. I mean, I think the way they go about things is a little bit different, but I still think they're fairly ho hum. They'll beat some teams and lose to other games that you're like, how did you lose that? Six wins sounds about right, but when you think of them actually making a bowl game, I just don't see that happening, so I'll have to go under. Yeah, you know, the reality is if we're saying K-State's going to win four or five conference games, someone has to be losing these games, and I think Tech will be one of those teams. Yeah. West Virginia is at 5.5. I think that's very low for them. Yeah, I'd go over that. Oh, I'd go under. Really? Really. Yeah. I don't think that West Virginia is going to improve from what they were last year. I just think that I think that five and a half is probably pretty fair for them. And I don't think that West Virginia is going to make a bowl game. So I'll yeah, take the under. I'd be under. I, I think he inherited some problems out there. I, I don't think uh, there was much substance to the program by the end of the previous regime. Hmm. I think that Daggy's going to do a great job at quarterback for them. Um, you know, Kendall was just trashed all year. And if he's not, if he's not under center, I think they've got a good chance to make a bowl game, but that's just me. That's a good take. Yeah. Last, but least (laughs) 3.5 for Kansas. Uh, Under. Yeah. I'd probably go under. (laughs) I mean, I they'll find a way to lose a non-conference game and they're not going to win two conference games. Uh, I just think Kansas is perpetually so far behind. They can brag about all their great recruits, but I don't ever see any anything come of it. They can't change the culture. The culture is so bad right now. It might be a little bit improved under less, but let's be blunt here, guys. If you're a player at Kansas, do you really believe in your head coach? I mean, you, you see him struggling to speak and having memory issues. That's so obvious to everyone, even though they deny it. I mean without a clarity of message. And even when he gets up and gives the rah-rah, who is K-State or whatever, I mean, it just, it's got to be like, uh, coach, they're pretty good. I don't know what you're saying. So I don't, I don't think people are bought in over there. I think it's a bunch of fake enthusiasm. From Wildcat Pilot 88, the past few years, Texas has needed overtimes, a game-ending field goal, or a defensive stand to beat K-State. Does K-State get over that hump this year and beat the Longhorns in Manhattan? Note, Texas versus K-State is the game immediately before the Red River game. Yeah, that's that's quite often the case. You know, my thing about Texas is last year Texas won, and correct me or tell me if you think I'm wrong, simply because they had more better players. The Longhorns had more better players. It just came down to that. I thought K-State was the better team. They just didn't have the the guys to get it done, to execute what needed to be done. It was a, you know, a matchup of physical abilities and 
K-State came up short on that day. They just had enough guys to get out of there with a win. I think we'll see that gap closing. Uh, and unless Texas makes a remarkable surge in recruiting, I think K-State will will slowly close that gap, and it might be enough being at home this year to get over the hump. This would be a huge win for K-State. This is this is a swing game for Kansas State that might define its season. I kind of disagree. I think that K-State and Texas were evenly matched, at least the last two games down in Austin. You know, the double overtime game two years, or well, now three years ago, and then last year's game where it came down to the field goal at the end. Um, I think that it really just came down to you know, when K-State had the ball and when Texas had the ball, True. when it came down to the end. And Texas, both times, was set up to win, and K-State didn't have an opportunity to respond. And just They made the plays. I know it's kind of dumb to say they made the plays when it mattered, but they, they truly did make the plays when it mattered. Um, and if you, you know, change the coin flip, if you reverse all the possessions, you know, maybe K-State comes out a little bit differently in those games. Gills? Obviously, beating Texas is you know very important stuff like that. But I don't think, like you're saying, Fitz, I don't think it's really that important. I don't know if it's going to define a season if you uh, win or lose against Texas, just because I don't think they're going to be that good this year, like we were talking about. So, um, you know, I think we can beat them, but I don't know if it's really going to be that you know defining game of the season, if that makes sense. Final question of the first half from I like pickles cat. Is it fair to say we are evaluating Colin Klein as a coach with how Skyler performs this season? It seems like Skyler's issues last year were largely mental and fixable with good coaching. Well, I think there is something to be said that, you know, if Colin, if, if Skyler turns the corner this season and really becomes a productive Big 12 quarterback, people still see him as middle shelf or even lower shelf in the conference as a senior. Now, I find that dumbfounding because I've been around football long enough to know if you've got a lower shelf quarterback, you do not win eight games. That is almost impossible at the college level. You've got to at least be decent and solid at quarterback, which K-State was. I think he's undervalued around the conference. And all that said, there are still glaring issues with his game. So, Pickles, I think you're kind of right. If he can get those issues solved – I think it'll go a long ways to proving that Colin is a really good quarterback coach at this level. And I don't care um, what position you're at. You have to be showing that the guys under your tutelage are making improvements and you're taking a guy that has issues, solving those issues, they become a really good player. Do that consistently. You become a coordinator. You become a head coach. And So I think this is an important season for Colin. And then on the heels of that, whoever – steps into that position in 2021 and forward if Colin can create a good quarterback culture at Kansas State where they're back to cranking out really good QBs within the system the head coach is providing. I think Colin will be a head coach before we know it. I think that, um, yes, we should be able to see Skyler improve, and if he doesn't, some of that should be on Colin, absolutely. But I think that it'll be more telling to see what he does in the future, 2021, 2022, who are the next guys after Skyler and how do they play? And I think that that'll be a better having a, a bigger a pool of, of quarterbacks there to judge from and, and see how well they did. I think that you got to be a little fair to Colin in that as- aspect as well. That will do it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. We appreciate it. We're zooming into your earbuds right now, ear holes, ear 
follicles. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Let's take a break. We all need it. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions podcast sponsored by The Fridge. Get into the fridge. Football season's nearing. Go to the fridge. It's right around the corner from the stadium. Get your fun stuff at the fridge stuff. That, that didn't work there at the end, but you know what I mean. And this segment is sponsored by Zach. You have big breaking news. The high-low is back open. Woo! Indeed. Woo! And I saw former Go Power Cat employee Jess yesterday, who is the general manager of the High Low. And she said they're kind of limiting their hours. I don't think they're open on Monday and Tuesday right now. They're having employee issues. They don't have enough employees. If you're hearing this podcast and you are a person looking for some work in Manhattan, Kansas, get a hold of Adam or Jess down at the High Low. You can probably find Adam at AJ's Pizza and say, hey, I want to work at the high-low. I'm that cool. Gills, your pizza experience could get you over there. Oh. There we go. Probably plays better than this job, huh? Oh. Yeah, but they don't deliver. So I'm sorry, dude. Ah. You'd have to You'd have to be cooking. I think you'd make a good bartender, man. Well, I, thank you. I think you'd make a good bartender uh, because uh, you can talk to people and uh, you probably mix some drinks. They make they make weird drinks there. They make the kind of artistic drinks. And promote Go Power Cat while on the job. You got it. Here are your questions from Mob Station with the new MC, the new Ryan, the new RG, Ryan Gilbert. First question of the second half from Adam K sixty three. How big of a step forward is it that K State announced on campus classes starting in August? It's yeah, significant. They were more patient than other places. Uh, But in some ways, I wish they had just opened up um, like three weeks early. I mean, because they're not coming back after Thanksgiving, and then they're having dead week and finals week remotely, which I think is makes you kind of prone to cheating. Having not me though, never me. No, 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 not you. You're you're an honest guy. Um, yeah, I kind of wish they'd said, you know, we're just going to start. Hey, everyone, get here the first week of August. We're going to start early. It's going to be hot, but let's do this. And then you're just done with school completely when you go home for Thanksgiving. 
mean, I don't know that that's not a bad plan permanently, too. I mean, especially for, you know, any student that doesn't live an hour away like I did when I went to school or two hours away like Gills or three minutes like Zach. Um, <laughs> yeah, forget us. Uh, anyone who has to travel. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. I'm just done that week of Thanksgiving and off I go. I'm going home and I'll see you in January. And then you start up earlier in January than usual and. Maybe you don't have a spring break. Maybe you just push into April and you're done. I don't know. That's yeah, what I, I think. Th I think they should have moved it up at least one more week. Um, and then, you know, if, the, if you move it up one week, you can probably kind of get rid of dead week and just do a finals week if you can put in their material. I mean, I think that there's, a way, there's ways to adapt that involved Thanksgiving being the last day right. or well the Wednesday before Thanksgiving being the the final final class I think that you could have been a little more creative um with that with the scheduling I guess to move it up but I do I like that they are trying to get kids home uh in December end of November um it'll it'll be good hopefully for you know this second wave of coronavirus that might happen yeah. but I think that this could be a good thing going forward. If, if the, like I mentioned on a podcast a long time ago, there's going to be a lot of changes that come about with coronavirus making us change the ways we think. And I think this might be one of those changes yeah. that sticks around. I agree. Gills, when I say dead week, you as a student, a current student, what do you think? You know, I obviously understand the reasons why, you know, they're doing this stuff is to pre prevent a second wave from happening. But, you know, when you look at it, um, why don't we just start a few weeks earlier and end a few weeks later? I mean, it's just, it doesn't make much sense to me. You got to be kind of like all in or just nothing. Um, as far as dead week, it's just, I, I'm not going to cheat or anything, but like, it's, you're not in class, you know, when you're taking your final, some of those professors are just like a hawk staring you down, right. you're going to be alone on a computer. It's just, it doesn't make much sense. I know they did it, but I think if you really were that concerned about the coronavirus, then you would probably just say, Hey, we're not going to have on-campus classes at all, or we'll just have it be, we're done at the end of November, whenever Thanksgiving time is. So, I mean, I'm happy to get back to Manhattan. Don't get me wrong. I'm taking whatever we can get right now, but I think it's just uh, sort of goofy, if you ask me, while we're doing this. Well, my point was, I Dead Week was dead when I was in school. It was named Dead Week because you didn't yeah. have anything. And now it's my understanding the professors just keep having class and loading up stuff to do. That it's not really a dead week to prepare you for finals week. It's just... I've, I've had, I had finals during Dead Week yeah. sometimes. Like, and like, yeah. but like... Given the option, I would almost rather take the final during dead week because you don't have a lot of a lot of classes do respect the dead week, but it's dead week. You know, you can put some stuff in there. So if I can get a, a garbage test out of the way right. that I don't have to take on Friday at 4 p.m. in a 200 seat lecture hall that I've never been to that's halfway across campus. <laughs> like, you know, I just there's it's weird, I guess. Just let let people pick what day you want to take your final, I guess. That last two weeks, just spread them out however you want. They should let the, the students pick. 
Yeah, it varies by class, but honestly, I I would say that I've had more finals during dead week than I've had during finals week. So huh. it's kind of lost its touch, I guess, from back yeah. when you were in school fits. But you know, it's it's certainly not dead at all. Okay. Also from Adam K sixty three. How fortunate is Bruce Weber to get his players together in July with the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, yeah. I mean, being able to get the kids back on campus is really going to help. I mean, or get, get them to campus for the first time is really going to help. I mean, to have those everyone around and able to do stuff, I think, uh, I think they'll be in good shape. I, you know, I, I think, uh, and there won't be a ton of, it's not like the, There'll be full summer session going on around here. So they'll be really able to lock in on basketball and conditioning and get in good shape. And and there's no reason for those guys. You stop and think about it. If there's no classes and there's not much social going on, I don't know. When I was their age, I'd be hooping, you know. I mean, I'd be, you know, my sport would have been volleyball, but I would have been just doing it. I mean, if you got a group of people that wants to go do your thing, Let's go play, man. Let's go play. And the more this group of kids can get on the court together and gel with the few returning players with experience, I'm, there's some freshmen and Mike McGurl. Yeah, I, let's let's go at it. Let's get them. I think it really does help. I think it, it benefits Kansas State tremendously, not only the June 15th, the fact that they won't have a ton of other distractions. It can be all about hoops for a good six weeks. From T. Newman 41, this is an older question from the question bank, but it's back in the news. I'd like to hear Fitz's thoughts on KU's response to their allegations. The rantier, the better. (laughs) Uh, Well, this may not be as good a rant as you think. I think KU did exactly what it had to do. Just go on full defensive uh, O.J. Simpson this thing. You know, I mean, maybe it works out. Maybe you get found not guilty because, you know, there was the case didn't stick. I, I do think what happened with Oklahoma State, the severity of its penalty in contrast to what KU is facing, even though the process will be different for KU because they are going to that whatever that committee is that will decide the penalty. But I think the NCAA put down this is what the penalty is for one major infraction. And they have three. Um and two minor level ones. So they, they've got a lot more stuff on their plate. But I think what happened to Oklahoma State, they said, let's we got to get Beatty off our table. we got to get this done with. We can't have any more uh, fact-finding. We don't want any anything coming out from the Beatty lawsuit that impacts the basketball program. If you ever doubted the fact that KU doesn't give a shh about football – This whole situation has shown it. They will totally shove football under the bus to save basketball. They will sacrifice football to save basketball. I don't know what's going to happen. They deserve If this is what Oklahoma State got, KU is going to be in for a world of hurt. But again, the process is going to be different for KU because they're they're taking a different approach on who's doing the decision-making on the penalties. This is a big time. I mean... When I heard the three scholarships over two years, I thought, wow, they can only have 10 guys on scholarship for the next two seasons. It's not that for Oklahoma State. It's three scholarships over the two years. So they can have 12 and then 11, 11 and then 12. Or if a bunch of guys don't show up this year because of the penalties, they can go 10 and then be back to 13 the next year. So that wasn't as harsh as what we first thought. 
But if KU gets hit with anything that bars them from the NCAA tournament for a year or limits scholarships, it is going to hurt the program. And it'll probably hurt their momentum and maybe be what sends self out because they might go after him, you know, and, and say you can't coach college basketball for a while. I don't see that. He's too big. He's too big to fail. That's kind of the way I feel about the NCAA and um, what's going to happen here. They're the Wells Fargo of college basketball in some ways. You can't let them fail. It's bad for your business if it's the NCAA. But I am intrigued. A lot of moving parts here. But, boy, they settled that Beatty thing awfully damn quick. They wasted a lot of time, a lot of bad press. And uh, I don't know if they wasted money because it may be that money – I'm guessing they had paid 450000 in legal fees, and Beatty got the other 2.55. That was a settlement. From Adam K. 63, was Oklahoma State's punishment too harsh or just right? See, this is considering the Kansas allegations and everything with KU, I think that the NCAA was making a statement. Uh, whether it was too harsh or not, they made a statement to KU through Oklahoma State hey, Look what we just did to Oklahoma State. You might want to settle. I think that they are trying to get a an admission and a settlement out of KU, and then I think that Oklahoma State will appeal, and I think that that punishment will either be lessened or rescinded completely. I think that this is the NCAA's way of going hard on Kansas without going hard on them, because I think that like like you said about you know being too big to fail KU is too big to fail and if they treated KU like they should uh and like they've treated other programs KU would be brought down a few levels and i think that Oklahoma State going first with almost a ridiculous punishment i think that that's the NCAA's way of threatening KU saying hey here's their allegation now, here are your allegations, which are times three or however many of their allegations. You might want to come up with some ideas here on how to make this go away. It depends how much the NCAA wants to be consistent with all of this, though, because we've seen with what happened at North Carolina and then Mizzou. You know, they're just, they haven't been consistent over the years. And if they're going to be consistent, then KU's pretty much screwed. But if they're going to be weird, then there's light at the end of the tunnel for KU. So... I think the biggest question is, is the NCAA, like you said, Zach, are they trying to prove a point, you know, assert their dominance, um, you know, send a message to KU, or is it just a completely different case that's going to have a different punishment? I, I, I don't know. Who knows? And we'll have to find out. But I think that's the biggest, you know, concern for KU and Oklahoma State talking about that stuff. And kind of back to the original question of, is the punishment too harsh or just right? We'll have to see, you know, if... It's just right if yeah. KU gets the book thrown at them. If Oklahoma State is punished fairly in accordance to everyone else, yeah, it's it's fair. But it's too harsh if KU gets off and the others get off. And Oklahoma State still has to have their postseason ban and scholarships reduced. That's where it becomes unfair. Yeah, I have nothing to add. Good job. Also from Abby 63 KU women's basketball team take the brunt of the punishment by the NCAA from the men's basketball program? Uh, nothing would surprise me. I almost feel like they're asking the NCAA to punish the football program. This is going to be really interesting 
Because if Oklahoma State gets a more severe punishment than Kansas does, I think the NCAA is dead. I think people will be fed up. Enough of the members will say, yeah. this is how inequitable this organization is. It protects its own ass. I mean, they make a lot of money off of Kansas basketball like a lot of people do. If if they it's seen as they're favoring those members over the the majority of other members, I think the organization's in big trouble. I think Zach's take's pretty good, though. I think they're trying to bait KU into settling out of panic, and maybe that's going on behind the scenes. And then they'll go back and renegotiate with Oklahoma State and say, we went a little bit too far, and we're going to lift your ban, you know, or whatever. Because I'm really uncomfortable with a program that gets caught for something like Oklahoma State did. It wasn't systemic. It wasn't embedded into the program that they do this. The program wasn't built off of doing things like this. One coach, assistant coach, Lamont Evans, went a little bit rogue in their case. And now players and coaches who have nothing to do with that are being punished. I have problems with that. If the entire foundation of the program is crooked, which some people believe is true for KU, and I tend to believe they have been bending the rules or breaking them for a long time, then going there should mean you're also punished. I'll see when this is all sorted out, if they correct the imbalances in the punishment, if there are any. Something that's worth noting is, you know, Oklahoma State was cooperative throughout the process, whereas Kansas certainly has not been cooperative. So, you know, I saw that Oklahoma State's punishment could have been two years, but it was only one just because they were, you know, they they were cooperative. I hate to keep saying that word, but, you know, that's something Kansas can't say. So I think yeah. those are two uh, different situations as well, just in regards to how they've, you know, talked about it with the NCAA. Regarding cooperation, didn't North Carolina a few years ago, their big one, they refused to cooperate, and they pretty much got off scot-free. And then with Mizzou just yeah. now, Mizzou cooperated. They did whatever the NCAA told them. And they got slammed. Yep. So it good point. cooperation, it's almost worth it just not to. Just, you know, from a I know it's not a legal thing, but from a, a legal standpoint, just deny everything. Mm-hmm. You didn't do anything wrong. Make them prove it. Make them prove it. Don't give them access to stuff. Oh, here's everything we did wrong. Here you go. Punish us. We cooperated though. Remember that. Because they don't. No, it, it doesn't. Be, it doesn't benefit to cooperate with these investigations if they're if you're not going to be treated fairly. That's another reason why the NCAA is killing itself. You've told us for years just to cooperate and all will be good, and you're now just absolutely destroying the programs that cooperate and rewarding programs that don't cooperate, that fight you and don't give you the information. It's it's insane. The NCAA is totally upside down right now. I completely agree with you, Zach, but, you know, like Fitz was saying, teams like North Carolina uh, and Kansas make a lot more money than Mizzou and Oklahoma State do. So I, I totally agree with you, but that might be a little bit of the reason why that's happening. But so the, the point is, so what? You, 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 all NCAA members are equal. No, yeah, you I like totally it or agree. Not, or like totally they, they're agree. supposed to be. So that's that's kind of where the the problem is. And if these punishments keep getting out, you know, the NCAA isn't going to exist if they keep do- pulling stuff like this. Yeah. They will cease to exist if they do not treat everyone as fairly as possible. And now let me pitch this argument. The fact that I say 
programs such as Kansas, North Carolina are of more value to the NCAA? I pose this question. Why? If you don't have Kansas available in the 2021 NCAA tournament, do you think NCAA is going to refund money to CBS? No, they're going to still get their money. The money will still come in. Now, if you give them the death penalty, if we start handling out death penalties or two, three-year suspensions to a number of major programs, CBS may go, hold on, you're changing the product that we negotiated this price on. So maybe that's an issue. But on a year-to-year basis, I don't think CBS would have the standing to demand a refund, and the NCAA wouldn't make less money. The product isn't each individual school. It's the body of all the schools. At the end of the day, if you eliminate Kansas, North Carolina, Kentucky, list them off from an NCAA tournament, you know what's going to happen at the end of the NCAA tournament? Someone's going to be national champion, like it is every year. And that will be good for that program and maybe raise their value. So if someone falls backward, someone moves forward. That's the way college sports works. Someone loses, someone wins, and someone's program moves into prominence. The NCAA didn't collapse when UConn went from bad to good to bad again. Onward they go. Someone fills the breach, and the product is still wonderful for fans to enjoy. And I think that's. I think CBS would never have standing to say, "Hey, you can't, you can't punish them. We need them in the tournament because they get eyeballs." It right. literally doesn't matter. It could be six. They could be the sixty-four mid-major teams like there could be a single you know there couldn't be a single power five or power six conference team in the NCAA tournament people would still watch one of them is going to be the national champion that's where the value comes from people are going to watch I agree maybe some diehard North Carolina fans or KU fans be like well my team's not in I don't care anymore but at the end of the day I think a lot of people would still watch because it's a fun event last question of the podcast from KNED all things considered, town, bars, stadium, sprawl versus central place for fans to get together, etc. Please rank your top three and bottom three destinations K-State has been to. The bowl game and stadium count as a destination. Fiesta in Tempe is one location which was awesome. And Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Glendale is another which was not nearly as good. I agree with that. Oh, wow. Um just bowl games. Let's see. Um, well, I think the Alamo Bowl is a pretty good setup. So close to the River Walk. I mean, you can walk to the stadium if you want to. It's kind of a haul. But um, for the most part, the fans are all there on the River Walk, which is kind of cool. That's kind of fun. I don't see going to Orlando in case it hasn't been there. I don't think that'll be a good setup. I think Memphis, the stadium's remote and bad. I don't think the Liberty Bowl really fits that criteria. I would say as things go now, you know, probably that Alamo Bowl's kind of the best destination. The Cotton Bowl is a bigger name, but again, it's at the same kind of thing that you just mentioned with Glendale. It's at Jerry World in Arlington. It's kind of you know parked out there and in, in the open spaces near the city, um, which isn't as fun. You don't have the the bars and the setup around the stadium that you have other places. I miss that. I miss, uh, even though the stadium wasn't um, near the Gaslight District, I miss San Diego and the Holiday Bowl. I wish that bowl hadn't slid in prominence. I wish, for a lot of reasons, that 
the Las Vegas Bowl was part of the Big 12 situation because I think that anytime you have places where the fans can congregate in large numbers, I think it's pretty cool. Now, I'm really confused now because the Camping World Bowl is now the Cheez-It Bowl. Did you know that, Zach? Yep, I saw that. This but gets, it's still played at Camping World Stadium. That's uh, so confusing. Mm-hmm. And now Cheez-It Bowl's back to the Cactus Bowl, but it could be the Energizer Bunny Bowl by the time it's all said and done. Who knows? I just hope that K-State wins enough games that we are not in Phoenix. Yeah. And I agree with you. I The Fiesta Bowl... Um, Moving it out there, it's probably good for ticket sales and and all the things you have to stage as a as someone putting on a bowl game. But it sucks. It doesn't have the atmosphere. It's generic and it's in the middle of nowhere. The media bus ride took forever to get there, and we were going way before traffic. It was just stupid. I wish they would relocate back into Sun Devil Stadium. I certainly think the Cactus Bowl needs to do that. That they may- were supposed to. I, I thought they were going to do that, but I then so. Chase Field installed uh, installed artificial turf, so now that's less of an issue with grass there. You know, the, it's all turf. You just got to turf over the the sliding pits. I think if there, I, or I mean, maybe there is. Maybe there's. I haven't looked if they have sliding pits. I think they actually do have a full dirt infield. That's the only thing you got to cover up. But I don't know. Maybe they like the setup at Chase Field, but it's. I don't know. It's kind of annoying there. I would, I would say that of current destinations, Alamo Bowl is clearly the best and probably the best that K-State's ever been to. I actually think Memphis is underrated as a destination solely based on the stadium. The stadium is awful. If the stadium was close to downtown, if they had a, if a plot of land next to the FedEx forum, put it down there, that becomes a top two bowl game in the big 12. You want to go to that game. If they had a new stadium near Beale street, it'd be awesome. It'd be a great place. It would probably raise up in the sec and the big 12 selection order. Absolutely. I, I kind of see the, the Liberty bowl could be if, if Memphis ever decides to build a stadium, the Liberty bowl could elevate itself to the Alamo bowl level, kind of what the Alamo bowl did. Uh, when they added the pac 12, you get the pac 12 runner up, now you get the essentially you're supposed to get the Big 12 runner-up, but recently uh, the Big 12 has been able to get that extra team into the New Year's Six. Or they go the go to the Sugar. Ne- yeah, and the Pac-12 ne- hasn't necessarily uh, been able to produce as many New Year's Six teams or uh, pl- college football playoff teams. So I think that I enjoyed Memphis except for the stadium. The stadium – Obviously tanks it. But, yeah, I think Alamo Bowl is as good as you can get right now. Agreed. I I mean, again, if K-State ever makes it to the Sugar Bowl, that's a great setup. If Nashville adds a second bowl, which I think they need to look at, you know, not just have the Music City Bowl, but have a second bowl, I mean, that's a great setup. That stadium's right across from downtown. Not really walkable, but it's there. It's all in... Yeah, I guess you could. It would be a heck of a walk, but you could. Um, not Peach for, Bowl would be pretty good. Peach Bowl wouldn't be bad, um, but I don't know. I, I'm disappointed with the Big 12 Bulls. I think they have 
a horrible bowl mix right now. And the fact that they didn't realign anything just shows how lazy the Big 12 leadership is, how inactive they are instead of being proactive when you need to be that way in any business, um, particularly though with the possibilities of college sports evolving even more. Well, we evolved right through a podcast. Congratulations, guys. I don't know how we did it. Uh, Gills, are you still there? Yes, but can you hear me is the question. We can hear you. It has been a Zoom battle today. No matter which technology we pick, the technology doesn't pick us. But we pick you because you're a subscriber at GoPowerCat. And if you're not, why not? We have civil discussions about K-State sports. What a novel concept. We'll talk to you Friday with the overtime. You've been listening to the PowerCat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.